Welcome to Living Bread Radio Presents, a program designed to teach and evangelize about the Catholic faith through various speakers and presentations given throughout the area. Today's show features Sister Ann Shields and her talk, Praying with the Bible, recorded at the Gift of Faith Conference in June 2009. And now, Sister Ann Shields. I do not call you servants any longer because the servant does not know what the master is doing, but I have called you friends because I have made known to you everything that I heard from my father. We are privileged. Here it is. Here it is. We're privileged. Everything that the father revealed to the son is revealed to us. It's here. And it's yours. And it has power to change you. It's kind of like a transfusion. It has power to change you. And to make a difference. And you'll know that it didn't come from you. You'll know it. And so you can call him the Savior. He's the one. He did it. My life is spent rejoicing in that. And thanking God for that. You did not choose me, but I chose you. You know, you can sit there and say, how did I ever get into this anyway? I chose you. And I appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. This is the fruit, the love, the forgiveness the reconciliation. So that the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Let me just put a little footnote here because I could give a whole talk on this. But it says here, what Jesus promised is, if you abide by my word, if you live in my word, if you do what I ask you, you will bear fruit And the fruit will remain so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, I will do. What more could you ask for? What more could you ask for? Whatever you ask the Father in my name, I will do. Do you know what that means? And my my book on um, over there on pray and never lose heart. This is the whole theme of it. Those of you who have been to fire rallies know this. I should quiz you, but I don't have time. Uh, Whenever you ask the Father in my name, it doesn't mean to just say, Jesus in your name, do this. Jesus in your name, do that. What it means to ask in the name of Jesus is that you identify with him. You are one with him, and therefore the Father will hear your prayer. You don't ask for what Jesus would not ask for. Whatever you ask the Father in my name means according to my will. Then I will give it to you. Let me give you a little example of what I mean. Uh, this goes back to when I was a little girl. Again, I, 
as I've reflected on this, I've learned a lot more lessons that my father taught me than I realized even at the time. But sometimes I would come home for lunch from school because I could walk to school. And I'd come home, and um, my mother had another job, and so she would sometimes she wasn't right there with me. She was always there for lunch, but not maybe at the right moment when we first got there. And my dad would say, honey, we need a quart of milk or we need a loaf of bread. Just go up to the store, tell them your dad sent you, and I'll pay the bill on Saturday. You know, this was those wonderful days when you could do that. And so I'd run up to the store, and I'd get the loaf of bread or the quart of milk, and I'd say, my dad told me to get this, and he'll pay you Saturday. And they would write it down, and they'd say, fine, and I'd go off with it. Now, if I had gone into the store and said, I want five gallons of this kind of ice cream, and I want that whole box of candy bars, and uh, my dad sent me. (laughs) I'm not so sure they would have gladly given them to me because I was not asking in my father's name. I was asking in my own name. (laughs) Do Do you follow me? So when we pray, when we're praying for those we love, Praying in his name guarantees a response. So when you're praying for people you love, praying for marriage relationships, praying for health problems, praying for addictions, praying for all those things, money issues that we pray for in our families, if only God would do this or do that, pray in his name. Jesus, what do you want? I had a nephew who many years ago was, well, he just was never close to the Lord. And he, he, was, uh, he got into alcohol and drugs. He was on the streets. He left home. He was found guilty of, of grand larceny. He, he, everything. And no matter how hard we prayed, it just got worse. Do you ever pray that way? And things just get worse and worse and worse. It got worse. But I remembered this passage. Whatever you ask in my name, I will do. And so I thought, Lord, and it suddenly dawned on me. I said, what do you want? What do you want, Lord? I mean, surely you want this taken care of and that taken care of. But I stopped. And the Lord said to me as clear as a bell, Uh, No audible voice, don't misunderstand. But just the thought came into my head, and I know it's not me. And the thought was, what I want for the one you love is that he repent of his sin, that he be converted to me, that he give his life to me. And I thought, duh. You know, of course that's what you would want. But the way we work is, Lord, if you do this, or if you give them this money, or you heal this relationship, then they'll know it's you. And maybe they'll give their life to you. And God turns it around. You pray for what's first in my heart, make it first in your prayer. So we prayed, my family and I, we prayed one year. We had prayed for years. We prayed one year, and my nephew sent a letter to my grandparent or to his grandparents my parents a year later and he said dear grandma and grandpa thank you for all the gifts you've sent me over the years 
that I've never acknowledged. Thank you for all you've done for me. I want you to know that I have given my life to the Lord Jesus Christ. I have repented of my sin, and I'm going to try my best to live the life that God has for me. No. Whatever you ask in my name, I will do. It's not immediate. You've got to pray. You've got to keep praying. And the more things get worse, pray. Just keep praying. The fact that things get worse is a good sign, just in case you didn't know that. <laughs> it's a good sign because what it means is the enemy has been engaged. He stepped up his activity. Because now prayer's coming against it. And so his activity steps up. And that's most times people say, I'm going to quit praying. When I pray, things get worse. And I said, that's exactly the best sign. <laughs> Keep praying. All the people you pray for. Jesus does not say, whatever you ask in my name, I will do. And then say, well, that excludes you. Or that's not for you. Whatever you ask in my name, I will do. Put first in your prayer what's first in God's heart. You can pray. Matthew, Matthew, um, around Matthew 6, he says, your heavenly Father knows that you need all these other things, food and clothing and shelter. But it says, but you seek first the kingdom of God, and all these other things will be yours as well. So in your prayer, seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first for those you love, that they be drawn to the Lord, that they be converted, that they repent of their sin. Pray for that daily. You watch what God does. The scripture is true. It's alive. It's real. Follow it. Take a look with me. How much more time do I have? Five minutes, ten minutes, five? Ten. Okay. Luke 24. So only ten more minutes to endure. Here. Matthew. Matthew, I'm sorry, Luke 24. This is one of my favorite passages in Scripture. And it's my favorite, one of my favorites, because this is right after Jesus has been crucified. We usually read this on the Wednesday or Thursday after Easter Sunday. And it says, beginning with verse 13. Now, on that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and talking with each other about all these things that had happened. So here's two disciples. What are they doing? They're leaving. <laughs> They're leaving. They're leaving Jerusalem. All the other disciples are holed up in this room, and they're scared to death, and they barred the doors, trying to these two, oh, that's it, all done. We put our hope in him, but, you know, he's dead. It's done. Finished. They were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. And while they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself came near and went with them. This is why I say Jesus has a wonderful sense of humor. I just love the way he did this. But their eyes were kept 
from recognizing him. Why? Because they were despairing. They were hopeless. And he said to them, what are you discussing with each other while you walk along? You know, in other words, what are you talking about? And they stood still, looking sad. And then one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have taken place there in these days? I mean, how stupid can you be? You must be the only one who doesn't know this. And I love this. And Jesus said, What things? (laughs) What things? And they replied, the things about Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and crucified him. We had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. They're hopeless. I mean, he's dead. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things took place. You see, they might have thought, oh, he's going to leap off the cross. You know, he's holding out to the last moment, but he's going to leap from the cross. And what he said is true, and it's all going to be fine, and doesn't. And now three days have gone by. I mean, it's really hopeless. It's done. Moreover, some women of our group astounded us. They were at the tomb early this morning, and when they did not find his body there, they came back and told us that they had indeed seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Now, obviously, they're skeptical. (laughs) Because you notice they're leaving. They weren't staying around to see if maybe there was something. They, They were done, finished. We'll return to Living Bread Radio Presents after a short break. This is Oblate Father Andrew Small, National Director of the Pontifical Mission Societies in the United States. There we were, the Pope's Missionary Corps. As the new National Directors of the Pontifical Mission Societies lined up to greet Pope Benedict during our meetings in Rome, I brushed up on my Italian and proudly stated, From the United States, Holy Father. Ah, the Pope said, great works. Even today the Holy Father's words still ring in my ears and my heart. For all we do as Catholics, little can be as great as the work of spreading the good news of Jesus Christ. It's a lesson from the missions. Brought to you by the Pontifical Mission Societies. To learn more about becoming a missionary right where you are, visit our website at onefamilyinmission.org. Remember, if you're baptized, you're a missionary. Through prayer and sacrifice, in word and witness, we're all part of this one family in mission. And now the conclusion of today's production of Living Bread Radio presents. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb, and they did find it just as the women had said, but they didn't see him. Somebody stole the body. Then he said to them, Oh, how foolish you are. How slow of heart to believe. 
all that the prophets have declared. Was it not necessary that the Messiah should suffer these things? Go back to your prophets, Isaiah. They predicted all this. And then enter into his glory. And then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them the things about himself in all the scriptures. Wouldn't that have been wonderful? Just think of having Jesus himself explaining the scriptures to you. As they came near the village to which they were going, he walked ahead as if he were going on. Jesus will keep on going unless you invite him. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us. It's because it's almost evening and the day is now nearly over. Why were they so eager to have a stranger stay with them? Because there was an inkling of hope beginning when he explained the scriptures to them. This Jesus fulfilled everything that the prophets have told us. They don't quite get it yet, but something is stirring in them. In fact, it says, when he was at the table with them, he took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened. It dawned on them. The word had taken root in them. In fact, they say here, were not our hearts burning within us while he was talking to us on the road, while he was opening the scriptures to us? Suddenly, it's all making sense. How many times do we say, it's hopeless, it's done for? No good looking back at that. That relationship, that situation, it's all done. Just have to make the best of it, move on. Rather than saying, Lord, what do you say? What do you want to tell me? What's the truth? What do I need to grab hold of? What do I need to cling to? And for the disciples, when he explained the scriptures, when he explained the scriptures, their hearts began to burn with life and hope. And it says he disappeared and they ran back to Jerusalem. They ran back into the danger. They didn't know what was going to happen. And they got back to telling the apostles, and the apostles are saying, is this really true? I mean, you got Thomas there who was doubting. You've got others who weren't quite sure. But they said, yes. Our eyes were opened. Our hearts were burning within us as he explained the scriptures to us. You and I have the Holy Spirit now. The Holy Spirit had not yet come to them. You and I have the Holy Spirit who will explain the scriptures to us. Read it. Yes, do good Bible studies. Yes, all of that's helpful. Read my book. Yes, all of that's helpful. If it's helpful to you, read it. But then you begin to be able to read yourself. Pay attention. Bible study is important, but it's not the key. The key is a heart that says, Lord, teach me. Lord, teach me. 
and your life conformed to his word will bear tremendous fruit. It will. It really will. This is a weapon. This is a weapon. This is the sword. I remember one Protestant pastor saying he went to this conference where Catholics were speaking and this this guy pulled out a little New Testament from his pocket, you know, one of those little ones, and he began teaching from this, and this Protestant pastor said, all he's got is a penknife. You need the sword, you know. <laughs> you need the word, the whole word of God. And he said, when the man was done talking, I looked down at myself, and I was in shreds. With his penknife, he had pierced my soul. You know, just a part of the word of God. Doesn't matter what form it comes in. Doesn't matter whether you carry around the New Testament and the Psalms. Read the whole thing. Yes. But it doesn't matter the size of the shape. It's the word of God has power. And it will change you. And it will give you hope. And it will give you encouragement. It will give you wisdom. You see, once you're formed by this, Once these words begin to shape the way you think, once they begin to set your priorities, faith and hope and love just flourish because they're in the right environment. There's a miracle goes on in us. Sometimes I want to look down. I wish I could just kind of peer inside and see what Jesus sees, so to speak, because there's a word goes on. And that's why, because of this, that's why I can be in a situation where, I'll give you one example and I'll close with this. I was um, coming out of church a few Sundays ago and I was grumbling. Why is this? I'm going to take care of this and it's Sunday and I... Why can't I just have a day of rest? I was just, you know, self-pity and, you know, I was moaning and complaining, etc. And I hear this little voice to my left, and I looked over, and there's a little boy in our parish who has cerebral palsy, and his, both of his legs are very, very crippled, and he's got all these braces on him, you know, they start from his waist down, and he's got crutches, you know. He's a great little guy, and his name is Augustine. It's a good name for him. Anyway, he's... I didn't see him because I was grumbling and complaining. And over here, I hear this little voice go, Sister, good morning. And I turned, and he was standing up on a mound of snow. You can get around. He's pretty agile. And he was up on this mound of snow with his legs all bent and crippled and bent over, and he had these crutches. And then he took one crutch, and he went like this, and he pointed to the sun that had just come through the clouds, and he said to me, Isn't it a beautiful morning? That was the voice of God. That was the voice of God to me. And I could hear it. Instead of saying, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, I could hear it for what it was. And it's because of this. Let this word form you. Let it shape you. Whatever pattern you want to use, however you want to do it, Let it shape you. It will conform you to God's will, and you're going to experience God's word giving you life and peace. Read it daily. Amen.
We hope that you've enjoyed this production of Living Bread Radio Presents. For a copy of this program on Compact Disc, call 330-966-2903 or send an email to orders at livingbreadradio.com and reference the program broadcast date. This has been a production of Living Bread Radio in Canton, Ohio. Join us again next week at the same time for more Living Bread Radio Presents.